A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking about the uh, anniversary of the shootings in Uvalde, Texas, and the demands for gun control. Not only the demands, but the um, emotional exploitation of the uh, anti-gunners. If you don't support their demands... Well, you must be okay with the murder of school children, right? That's what they say, and we're going to get into it here in just a moment. Before we do, however, uh, I know you guys have definitely noticed that the U.S. dollar continues to buy less, right? Uh, last year, the average IRA and 401k balance fell by more than 20%. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that anything can and will happen. Well, here's something that might help, a gold IRA. Gold may be a great option for you. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. Many central banks are buying tons right now. So what does that tell you? Well, Augusta Precious Metals is a gold IRA company that offers its customers the opportunity to invest in gold. You can call Augusta Precious Metals and learn how a gold IRA can help you. And if you've saved 100000 or more for retirement, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their free Ultimate Guide to Gold IRAs. Tell them that you heard it here on our show, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals and diversify your retirement today. Call 855-222-4997. That's 855-222-4997. Again, 855-222-4997. So there is no shortage of uh, press coverage of the anniversary of Uvalde. Um, I thought Newsweek had an interesting take. They did sort of a back and forth. So on the the pro-gun control side... Um, they had their editor-at-large, uh, Tom Rogers, write a piece entitled, Gun Control is the Only Way to Save Our Kids from Another Uvalde. Uh, they had Mark Davis, a uh, talk show host in Dallas, Texas, a uh, writer at uh, columnist for the uh, Dallas Morning News, as well as for Town Hall. Uh, you can hear t- Mark Davis uh, on 660 AM, The Answer, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, his piece, titled... Gun control will not save our children. We honor the victims of Evaldi with real solutions. So first, I'll give credit to Newsweek for, uh, you know, putting a a back and forth uh, up on the website. However, I have to say, Tom Rogers, uh, who is the editor-at-large at at Newsweek and is also um, the founder of CNBC, a CNBC contributor, According to Newsweek, he also established MSNBC as the former uh, CEO of TiVo, and he's currently the executive chair of Engine Gaming and Media, as well as a member of Keep Our Republic, an organization that uh, Newsweek describes as dedicated to preserving the nation's democracy. So Tom Rogers should know better than what he continually misrepresents in his op-ed. He starts out his piece by saying, like the vast majority of Americans, I'm sick and tired of hearing about another mass shooting involving an automatic weapon and the politicians who oppose banning the weapons that killed our kids, saying in the aftermath, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims' families. These days, there's a third act. Those same feckless politicians now like to insist that our gun death epidemic is actually a mental health crisis. So first of all, if Tom Rogers doesn't know the difference between automatic and semi-automatic firearms... Newsweek has no business publishing an opinion about his thoughts on gun control. If, on the other hand, Tom Rogers does know the difference between a semi-automatic and an automatic firearm, and he has chosen to mislead his readers, well, that too is problematic. And this is not a one-off on the part 
of Rodgers. He writes as well, we are averaging more than one mass shooting in the United States a day since the beginning of this year, which, by the way, depends on how you define mass shooting, right? Uh, most of those, he says, have been carried out with some form of automatic weapon intended for military use, where the gun has been optimized for rapid fire mass killing. There are approximately 200 victims of gun violence every day in the United States, resulting in 120 deaths per day, of which uh, 11 are teens or children. And by the way, he is now conflating mass shootings with suicide, right? Which is the most common form of gun-related death in this country, not homicide, certainly not a mass shooting or an active assailant attack. So Ty Rogers, well, he's calling for gun control. Again, I think it's putting up a very misleading and emotionally manipulative argument based, frankly, at least in part, on absolute falsehoods. Most of these shootings in this country are not committed by individuals wielding automatic weapons uh, intended for military use, where the gun has been, quote, optimized for rapid fire mass killing. The most common firearm used in violent crime, including the quote-unquote mass shootings that Tom Rogers would describe, are actually handguns, semi-automatic handguns. And that technology has been around for well over a century. Um, Rogers goes on to say, in trying to insist that, uh, well, you know, listen, I mean, I, I strict gun control laws work. He says, uh, as Fareed Zechariah of CNN points out, I don't know why you'd quote a uh, plagiarist, but whatever. Anyway, he says, uh, Illinois has tough gun laws, but because the states that surround it do not, it has elevated gun deaths compared to other stricter gun control states. Conversely, New Hampshire, with its relatively lax gun regulation, has lower gun deaths than other similarly regulated states because of the tough laws of those states surrounding it, which makes no damn sense whatsoever. First of all, um, New Hampshire isn't surrounded by states with tougher gun laws. Maine is constitutional carry. Vermont is constitutional carry. New Hampshire is constitutional carry. Massachusetts is not constitutional carry. Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont all actually have pretty darn good gun laws. Massachusetts, on the other hand, does not. Guess what state of those four has the highest violent crime rate? That's right, Massachusetts, the state with the tougher gun laws of the four New England states. You want to add in Connecticut or Rhode Island, uh, they also have higher violent crime rates than New Hampshire. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe that New Hampshire has is a pretty safe state, not because, again, of the responsible gun owners who live there, right? Certainly not because people have the ability to protect themselves, but because Massachusetts gun laws are somehow having a trickle up effect into the borders of New Hampshire. That's absolutely absurd. Equally absurd, by the way, is blaming Illinois' violence on states like Indiana and Missouri. Laws don't commit crimes. People do. Individuals. And unfortunately, Illinois has a lot of criminals who are ignoring all of the gun laws that are on the books there and committing violent crimes. The firearm owner ID card, the stringent requirements for concealed carry licenses, all those are being ignored by violent criminals in Chicago, uh, as well as the state's newly imposed ban on so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines. Just ran across a story actually out of uh, Chicago 
think this was a couple of days ago on the red line train, where, by the way, guns are banned. You cannot, even as a concealed carry holder, you cannot bring a gun onto public transportation in Chicago. And yet, I don't know how many stories I've seen this year, but there was a story just a couple of days ago of a woman who shot a guy on a red line train. Uh, she says that he was coming on to her, but apparently he was walking away uh, when she pulled out her gun and fired several shots. Yeah. These gun-free zones, again, don't stop bad actors from doing bad things. They stop good people, responsible people, lawful gun owners from being able to protect themselves. Now, Rogers goes on to say, and by the way, this piece by uh, Tom Rogers, uh, awfully slight on specifics, right? Oh, we need more controls. It's the only way we can solve things. But he doesn't really talk much about what he wants to see. Plenty of stuff he objects to, right? Uh, the sale of AR-15s or other semi-automatic firearms, uh, automatic weapons in his view, um, allowing adults at 18 to exercise their segment rights. He, he opposes that as well. But when it comes to what he believes should be done, you got to get to the bottom of his op-ed. And there he brings out gun confiscation. Both the United Kingdom and Australia, he writes, solved their gun violence issues through a buyback program that required the government to confiscate guns. Now, I, I'm going to stop right there. We're going to pick up the rest of that paragraph, but I got to stop because that's also nonsense. In Australia, the gun control groups are calling for a new compensated confiscation. And they have been for years because the number of privately owned farms in Australia is now higher than it was before their quote unquote buyback in the 1990s. Uh, in England, they just busted an illegal gun-making factory, is how it was described. Basically, uh, you know, people illicitly making firearms. So, no, neither England nor Australia have solved their gun violence problem. By the way, in neither of those countries have the gun control groups gone away. Even in England, where, again, firearms ownership is very restricted, gun control groups are still demanding more. Anyway, Rogers goes on to say that, uh, again, both the United Kingdom and Australia solved their gun violence issues through a buyback program that required the government to confiscate guns. Our Second Amendment may prohibit the confiscation of all guns, he writes, but the automatic weapon killing machines that are primarily responsible for the heinous violence that we are seeing in mass shootings could be solved by a program that requires taking such guns off the street. So again, automatic weapons, well, what Rogers is really talking about are the vast majority of legally owned firearms in this country, particularly handguns, the primary firearm used both for self-defense and by violent criminals. And despite what uh, Tom Rogers writes, not only does the Second Amendment uh, take confiscation of all firearms off the table, it takes confiscation of commonly owned firearms off the table. That would include, again, commonly owned rifles, commonly owned pistols, commonly owned shotguns. If Rogers really believes that more gun control is needed, he should have had his op-ed be all about repealing the Second Amendment, because what he's calling for is, frankly, just as unconstitutional as the complete gun grab that he says is off the table. Now, the competing point of view from Mark Davis, uh, it, there are a couple of things worth pointing out as well. You know, Mark writes, the Uvalde parents deserve our prayers, our good wishes, and our attention to their unspeakable loss. Yet one can truly grieve with them while also believing that gun control is just not the answer and would sadly not prevent another massacre from taking more children from their parents. 
Unfortunately, bad policy does not become good policy simply because it is desired by a sympathetic community. He says, these assaults on our rights are a tricky business because they come in the wake of real deadly assaults, often on our children. And that pain, epitomized by the Uvalde grief that touched us all, can sometimes erode the clarity of even staunch gun rights advocates. It's then that bad and useless ideas flow freely, from red flag laws, which mangle due process, to age restrictions that deny basic rights to adults. And he quotes Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who, uh, in a recent opinion about the uh, COVID overreaction, uh, said, quote, fear and the desire for safety are powerful forces. They can lead to a clamor for action, almost any action, as long as someone does something to address a perceived threat, a leader, or an expert who claims he can fix everything, if only we do exactly as he says, can prove an irresistible force. As Mark Davis writes, cries for gun control are compelling for that very reason, especially in the emotional aftermath of unfathomable tragedy. But the legacy of the loss that we mourn on this Uvalde anniversary is not honored by anti-gun obsessions. Our best remembrance of victims is tied directly to a commitment to improve the moral fabric of the country that our current kids are growing up in. I, I got to say, um, philosophically and ideologically, I firmly side with Mark Davis here. Um, I, I would add that I think Tom Rogers is full of it when he uh, says that gun owners and second member supporters are simply deflecting when we talk about a mental health crisis in this country. We talk about that quite a bit here at Bearing Arms. Not because I'm trying to engage in whataboutism, but because that is a serious, serious issue in almost every state around the country. And it has an impact far greater than just mass shootings. If you've got individuals who are in crisis and yet there are no beds available for them, What's going to happen to that person? Maybe they're going to take out their despair and direct it externally, turn it into rage against society. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to direct that rage and despair inward. And they're going to take their own life, which again, leads to grieving families. Leads to loved ones wondering what more could have been done. Whether or not a gun is used, by the way. Because again, ultimately what we're talking about here is not about banning guns. It's not about a right written on a piece of paper. We're talking about we the people. We're talking about individuals. Now, as individuals, again, we possess these natural rights. We possess these inherent rights that have been codified into the Constitution. But just because we believe that those rights are important, doesn't mean that we see this as an either-or. We have to sacrifice our rights in order to protect our kids or sacrifice our kids in order to protect our rights. That is a false assumption. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. I've been thinking a lot about this argument actually for months now. And I've never really felt comfortable talking about my own experience. But as you know, last year, my oldest son passed away a week before his 31st birthday. He died of alcoholism. One of 100,000 plus Americans last year who died of alcohol-related causes. And there'll be about 100,000 more this year. Now, under Tom Rogers' theory, 
what can be done? I should be out there demanding prohibition. I should be out there demanding a repeal of the 21st Amendment and a reenactment of the 18th Amendment. But I don't believe that that's the answer. I don't want any parent or any child or any spouse or any friend to go through what my wife and I went through last April when we discovered our son dead in his bed. I don't want any parent to go through that. I, I don't believe that banning alcohol is the way to address it, is the way to save lives. We've tried that experiment. It failed. And my own grief, the grief and the pain that I have seen in my wife and my kids over the past year, would not be alleviated by getting rid of every bottle of booze in this country. First of all, I don't think it could be done. Uh, but secondly, again, I don't think it would address the real issue here. You know, we have 100,000 plus alcohol-related deaths in this country. We have 100,000 plus drug overdose deaths in this country. We have about 40,000 gun-related deaths in this country majority of which are suicide. I, I would say that um, the bulk of those 250,000 deaths, suicide, alcohol-related deaths, drug overdose deaths, are what you could call deaths of despair. Not all of them are preventable, but a lot of them are. And if we do have better resources, if we don't have people waiting for days or weeks or months to get critical mental health care while they're in crisis, we can save a lot of lives that are lost each and every year to these causes. It'd be easy for me to say, you know what, the answer is just go after the booze companies. I mean, why do we need little airplane bottles of booze why do we need $5 pints of rot gut vodka? Why do we need these things? Who needs these things? But we've gone down that road before. We've tried that experiment. We've seen how it's failed. And again, even prohibition came with a cost. Not only a rise in violent crime, but the prohibitionists themselves were willing to see individuals die in order to enforce the laws that were on the books. Let's poison the uh, industrial alcohol. Oh, they should know better than to drink it. They know what they're getting into. And thousands of Americans died from drinking denatured alcohol during Prohibition. Acceptable losses, I guess, to the Prohibitionists. But to me, it shows the danger of what happens when you go down this road of trying to ban your way to safety. It takes us further away from the type of solutions that can have a real impact. Look, I don't think we're ever going to be gun violence free in this country. I don't think we're ever going to be free of alcohol-related deaths or free of drug-related deaths. But as Mark Davis says, when we inculcate not only our kids but our communities with 
the values and the resources to handle adversity, to handle stress. Because again, almost every one of these mass shooting incidents, there is a stressor involved, right? Some sort of incident didn't necessarily cause somebody to snap, quote unquote, but was that sort of triggering event. When we do the things to build a stronger and more resilient we the people, then I think we'll start to see a lot of these problems start to subside. Again, they won't disappear completely, but we can turn things around and we can start heading in the wrong direction. But gun control, that's a dead end road. Trying to ban our way to safety, trying to criminalize tens of millions of Americans by saying, you can't own those guns that you lawfully purchased anymore. It's not the answer. Because those aren't the people who are the problem. You've got to address what's really happening in this country. And in order to do that, yes, I think you do need greater mental health resources. I think we also need to fix the criminal justice system. You know, in fact, every day on this program, we have our recidivist report. Individuals, typically, I pick individuals who are involved in violent crimes, whose punishment does not fit that crime. And I got to tell you, generally, I have no shortage of stories to choose from. So the idea that um, Tom Rogers puts out there, that, uh, you know, if we just ban these guns, if we just confiscate automatic weapons, when he really means semi-automatic weapons, the vast majority of privately owned firearms in this country. I don't think that Tom Rogers, again, I, I'm not sure if he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's just coming at this from a position of willful ignorance, or he does know exactly what he's talking about. And he is trying to deceive and mislead his audience on what it is exactly that he's calling for. But as somebody who's covered this issue for 20 years, almost on a daily basis, 19, I guess, and some change. As somebody who has talked to armed citizens who've saved their lives with the help of a firearm and grieving family members who've lost loved ones because somebody with a gun and murder on their mind carried out their plans. I honestly and sincerely don't believe that the types of things that Rogers is calling for would do anything to make this country a safer place. And in fact, I believe it would deepen our already great divide lead to more conflict, more confrontation, more stressors, and yeah, probably more violence as well. Because when the good people are disarmed, the bad actors, well, they have a target-rich environment, don't they? Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, case out of Iowa, uh, excuse me, uh, Michigan, Ionia, Michigan. This is a really disturbing case. You know, Michigan, again, they just passed a bunch of gun control laws, right? Red flag law, uh, uh, storage requirements. I think they passed like 11 gun-related bills this year. And yet, man accused of shooting right-to-life volunteer gets probation and community service. 
yeah, shot somebody who wasn't posing a threat to anybody and walks away with probation. Richard Harvey, Vionia County, 12 months probation and 100 hours of community service after shooting an 83-year-old woman who was door knocking for right to life. He ended up pleading no contest uh, to reduce charges, had to forfeit his firearm, can't have any more contact with the stranger who showed up at his door, which hopefully won't be a problem. And prosecutors say if he violates the terms of his probation, he will spend a whopping 60 days in jail for shooting this woman. Harvey admitted to shooting Joan Jacobson, who was going door-to-door campaigning with Right to Life of West Michigan in September of last year, ahead of the uh, passage of Proposal 3, which uh, enshrined the uh, right to an abortion in Michigan state constitution. Harvey said he was trying to get Jacobson to leave his property after she fought with his wife, fought uh, with his wife. He said his wife, Sharon, had endured an ectopic pregnancy, and she told Jacobson that she would not vote no on Proposal 3. According to the Harveys, Jacobson was told several times to leave, but she refused and became confrontational. Harvey said she, he fired a warning shot. Jacobson said she was walking away when she was shot. She said just as she was leaving, Harvey came out of a barn on the property holding a gun. She said, I no sooner saw the man when I heard the shot and I felt pain. She said, I was so stunned. He didn't say anything to me. She didn't say anything to me. I didn't say anything to them. She drove herself to the hospital after the shooting. Harvey pleading uh, guilty to, uh, or no contest, excuse me, to uh, assault with a dangerous weapon, careless discharge, reckless use of a firearm. And again, 12 months probation. And it sounds like there was no physical confrontation between uh, Jacobson uh, and uh, Harvey's wife. There might have been a discussion, but uh, Jacobson wasn't even charged with trespassing. So it sounds like based on the evidence, Jacobson was walking away. Uh, Maybe she had said something to Harvey's wife. Maybe something snippy. I don't know. But no words uh, could justify Harvey pulling out a gun and shooting the 83-year-old. And again, probation. Small fine. If he violates the terms of his probation, possibility of two months behind bars. Uh... None of the gun control laws in the state of Michigan that have been passed this year would have had an impact on Mr. Harvey. But not offering him a sweetheart deal, holding him accountable for his actions, that might have had an impact not only on Mr. Harvey, but on others as well. We do have a story that is sort of the opposite. And it is so rare that I run across these stories that I actually had to highlight it. It's the opposite of our recidivist report from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where a judge has rejected a plea deal that involved no jail time for a drive-by shooting. Hallelujah. I'm so happy to see this. But again, these stories are so few and far between. I'd run these stories every day if I found them. I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a headline like this. Uh, But State District Judge T. Glenn Ellington yesterday refused to accept a plea agreement that prosecutors offered to one of two teens involved in a drive-by shooting that injured a 70-year-old woman in Santa Fe. The agreement called for Patrick Christopher Marquez, who's 19, to spend five years on probation, would have required him to undergo a substance abuse screening and complete a gun safety course. Marquez, charged with four different felonies, 
Aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, shooting at or from a motor vehicle causing great bodily harm, conspiracy to commit shooting at or from a motor vehicle, and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. If he was convicted at trial on all of these counts, he would face more than 16 years in prison. Under the terms of the uh, plea deal, uh, according to the Santa Fe New Mexican, Marquez would have pled guilty to being an accessory to shooting at or from a motor vehicle as well as conspiracy to commit shooting at or from a motor vehicle. Um, According to the police reports, charges against Marquez and his co-defendant, Santos Ben Asensio, also 19 years of age, uh, come from an incident back last June in which Santa Fe police responded to reports of shots fired, discovered a woman sitting in a recliner in her home who had been struck in the leg and abdomen by bullets fired from outside. Following an investigation, Marquez and Atencio were accused of shooting at the woman's home from a vehicle driven by Marquez, who had followed her, god- her uh, granddaughter there. Teens were apparently in dispute with the uh, granddaughter over a comic book that they accused her of stealing. Um, so the judge in this case was questioning the deputy district attorney, uh, Joanna Cox, about whether or not the victim had approved of the agreement and why the state's position had moved from initially trying to hold Marquez without bond at all because of the danger that he posed to the community to offering him a deal that would spit him right back out onto the streets. She said, Your Honor, at the time that this was filed, this was a very serious offense. It still is a serious offense, but in the discovery process, there's a lot that's been learned about the defendant. He has significant substance abuse issues. He doesn't have an extensive violent criminal history, but he needs more assistance than can be provided through the incarceration channels. Um, she also told the judge that she has spoken extensively to the victim and, quote, she is aware of the terms of the plea. She said she was happy to see that Mr. Marquez was willing to take responsibility for his substance abuse issues, adding that the woman's granddaughter also has substance abuse issues, so she was, quote, sensitive to those needs of the defendant. She then read a letter written by the woman uh, in which she described waking up that morning and sitting down in a recliner when, quote, all of a sudden I was shot by two bullets. She described shattered windows, splinter wood trim, wall damage. She said, my electric recliner, which had bullet holes and blood splatter, had to be replaced. She said, one bullet went in and was lodged in my right thigh. Another went through my abdomen, tumbled around and was lodged in my abdomen. I had to go undergo major surgery for my injuries. My intestine and my colon had to be reconstructed. Again, real harm was done to this woman. And prosecutors were willing to cut Marquez such a break that he could scoot free. She said, this incident has left a huge impact on me and my family's lives and well-being. And after the prosecutor read that to the judge, Judge Ellington said, well, none of that sounded like she would agree to this plea. It was a description of the harm that she personally sustained. Cox said, well, I've talked to her over the phone the past few weeks. She's agreed to the plea deal. She said, this is what she wrote. We don't tell victims what to write. So that's what she wanted to share. And that's uh, when Ellington said no. We're not going to do this. He said, I will not accept a plea to a guaranteed suspended sentence under these circumstances that somebody, Marquez, followed this woman's granddaughter back to her home looking for a stolen comic book and then just shot randomly inside that house. The case against uh, his uh, co-defendant, Mr. Atencio, scheduled to take place in June. He's accused of actually firing the shots. That struck the woman. And it may be the prosecutors were hoping to use um, uh, Marquez's testimony uh, to uh, further the case against his co-defendant. Listen, if you, you know, testify against your buddy here, we'll make sure that you don't go to jail. But uh, Ellington 
Not going to let that happen, at least not with this deal. Prosecutor told the judge the DA's office also expects to resolve Atencio's case through a plea deal. So maybe it wasn't about going to trial. But uh, scheduling conflicts prevented the office from holding Atencio's plea hearing at the same time. We're going to keep our eyes on this story because I want to see what kind of deals offered to Asensio as well. 12 months probation, substance abuse treatment, excuse me, five years probation, um, substance abuse screening and a gun safety course after nearly killing a 70-year-old woman. That's absolutely asinine. And again, in New Mexico, the Democrats in control of the state legislature, Governor Michelle Luan Grisham, no problem whatsoever. Passing gun control laws, red flag laws, universal background check laws, all of these laws, again, aimed at legal gun owners. But when it comes to holding violent actors accountable, they throw up their hands. They walk away. It's not about getting tough on violent crime. It's not about ensuring consequences when a 19-year-old nearly murders a 70-year-old woman sitting in a recliner. It's about ensuring that you, me, and other law-abiding individuals can't access our right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. Which brings us to today's Armed Citizen story from uh, North Carolina, where a, a homeowner shot and killed an intruder in the uh, Carolina Trace neighborhood in uh, Sanford, North Carolina. This is a gated community. Uh, but again, even gates. Can't keep bad guys away. Incident reported around 2.50 a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning. 911 caller said a person was trying to enter a home. Uh, when deputies arrived at the residence, they found that a uh, male individual had been shot by the occupant. EMS crews arrived at the scene, said the injured person died uh, there uh, in front of the home. News release from the Lee County Sheriff's Office says the investigation is domestic-related and is ongoing. Uh, but again, it appears that this was... A case of self-defense. No charges have been filed, according to the uh, Lee County Sheriff's Office. We'll see if there's more details that emerge here. Again, this was a uh, fairly recent defensive gun use. But again, thankfully, the uh, homeowner uninjured in that encounter with the uh, intruder. Finally today, our good deed of the day. In the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. An anonymous Good Samaritan in the town of Hallowell, Maine. Uh, as the Hallowell Police Department reported uh, on uh, early Wednesday morning, I guess it was actually Tuesday night, uh, just before 10 p.m., they wrote, a fire was reported at 1 Franklin Street. The two occupants were reported trapped on the roof awaiting help. Hallowell PD Officer LaBelle was on the scene in less than a minute. Officer LaBelle assisted a civilian who ran to help. The civilian grabbed a ladder, and together they were able to get the occupants to safety. Thankfully, there were no injuries, which you look at the pictures of this blaze. That is amazing. But the Hollywood Police Department is asking if anybody knows the identity of the civilian hero, please send a direct message to the police department messenger. Because this good Samaritan apparently saved two lives and walked away into the night without sticking around to uh, talk with the uh, police officers uh, or the uh, individuals that were saved. I wish I could tell you more about this Good Samaritan, and I hope the uh, Hallowell PD uh, is able to uh, honor that individual for their heroic actions. But uh, for now, again, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. Anonymous stranger in Hallowell, Maine, we thank you for your very good deed. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. 
uh, again, I really appreciate you being here each and every day. I'm so glad that you've joined me, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. I would also encourage you to become a VIP member at BarryAndArms.com. Just uh, head to the website, go to BarryAndArms.com, slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content. News stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support matters. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe. And be free.